I don't know what about you, but uh, there's a lot of people that have this strange idea about, um, about God and about religion that before you can be, have a relationship with God, you have to have your act together, that you have to you know, uh, clean up everything, that everything has to be kind of working in the right direction. Um, it's interesting, though, if you look at Scripture and you look in the, in the, in the uh, New Testament and you look at the people that followed Jesus, there was not one person who had their act together totally that followed Jesus. As a matter of fact, it seemed to be a prerequisite in Scripture that you had to be a sinner before you could follow Jesus. So, you know, the good news is, some of you got that, but the good news is, is that all of us, all of us in a real sense, have uh, that qualification in our life. We're all sinners, separated from God, in need of somebody who will, who will take us and do something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. And so, over the years, the problem is so often is people will think, they think about religion, and they think the message of religion is this, uh, change and you can join us. That's the message of religion. You change and you get your act together, you can join us. But that wasn't the message of Jesus Christ. The message of Jesus Christ was this, join us and you will change. Huge difference in, in how you approach that this morning. Now, we are in the process now the last several weeks of talking about the purpose that God has given us for our life, that our life is on mission in a real sense. And we've talked about that we have uh, this whole process in life of, um, of life on mission of doing these different action steps. And so we're in action step four today of five. And the big thing, though, as we take steps through life, as we go through this process, one of the things we do is we t- call it taking next steps. It's called growth, Right? Growing is taking next steps in your life. And so today, the next step is called grow. Okay, we've talked about connect. We've talked, uh, talked about serve. We've talked about share. And now today, we talk about grow. And you're going like, well, I understand those first three steps, you know, how that works. You know, if, we're, if our life is on mission and we're to reach out to people, we got to connect with them. That makes sense. People who are far from God. And if, if we connect with people far from God, one of the best ways to show, express our love for God is to serve them. And that makes sense. And then when they, we serve them, many times people will ask the question, a simple question of why are you doing this? Or they begin to ask spiritual questions. And sometimes it's very simple spiritual questions. And we talked last week about the whole issue of not having to know all the answers. But it's just simply knowing, being, having to give them a testimony or a brief uh, witness of what God has done in your life. We all have a story. We talked about that last week. Now today that we're talking about this whole thing of, of grow though. And grow is... Uh, growing is really, change is really the result of a relationship with Jesus. It's not because we just, you know, grunt real hard and decide that we're going to grow. And sometimes we can do that, but basically in our relationship with Jesus, when we begin a relationship with Jesus, that he begins to change us. And as a church, we've often said this, our main thing we're probably going to put up on a wall in a, in a, in a lobby. Uh, we, some people don't want to call that out there, you know, because some places... Um, <laughs> My wife was at school this last week. I'll have to tell a story. My wife was uh, subbing at school this past week in Germantown. And one of the stories they were reading had this whole story about church in it. I actually did. It was actually a Tom Sawyer uh, story. And, and had all these church words. And so the kids were asking, what does that word mean? And one of the words was vestibule. How many of you know what vestibule means? I mean, some of you go like, how many of you don't know? Don't, don't, you know, nobody will raise your hand. Vestibule? That's only a church word. I mean, it's kind of like a, you know, it's like, like narthex. You know what a narthex is? You know, I mean, we don't use those terms at Great Oaks because nobody understands what they are. Uh, but the deal is, this is the big room, okay? <laughs> That's the lobby. 
Okay, that's kind of the deal. I think everybody kind of understands those concepts. But the issue is, the issue is so often, uh, our purpose as a church though, if we're going to put upon a wall out there, is this, this phrase. Our purpose here is to help people take their next step towards God. Help people take their next step towards God. We're to love God, love people, and then in doing so, we're to help people take their next step. And really, this ties into everything we're talking about today. It's the whole thing uh, of growing. I mean, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, okay? Some of you know that. Some of you don't know that. And you're going like, really? Yeah, because some of you have these strange ideas about Southern Baptists. They're, you know, all hellfire and damnation people, you know? But that's not true. That's not true. It's only about 10%. And those 10% give all the rest of them a bad name. But the reality is, is that I grew up in a church that so often had people that we were big on evangelism and reaching people. And, and it was people, and kind of like, it was this deal, and people would tell stories in church and be all proud about, you know, well, you know, man, I saved five people this week, you know, and they'd raise their, and they had like little notches on their belt, you know, or little people painted on their side of their car, you know, like World War II aces or something like that. You know, it's kind of weird. It's kind of that kind of idea. It's like, you know, our purpose is to convert people, help them make a decision. But I want to tell you something. This, this process we've been talking about, this whole thing of being, our life being on mission, that God gave us a purpose, Acts 1-8, that we're to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, uh, that is not about getting notches on our belt. That's not about getting people to convert. It's about helping people take their next step, whatever that may be. And we're going to look at a story today in Scripture that really helps us to understand that. Um, the interesting thing about Scripture is uh, the life of Jesus is probably one of the most documented lives of any person in history. A matter of fact, in the Bible, if you're familiar with it or if you're not familiar with it, there's, there's four books in the first part of the New Testament called the Gospels, and there are four accounts from four different people about Jesus Christ and the events that happened. Two of them were direct, uh, Matthew and John were direct, uh, uh, directly had access to Jesus. Peter uh, actually talked to Mark and told him about some stuff, and then Luke actually had some interaction with Jesus, but also Luke also was a very, very thorough and uh, he was a doctor and had a lot of thorough uh, investigation before he wrote his letter as well. So we have these four documented letters, and so they say similar stories, but sometimes they tell them in different ways. And today the story we're going to look at is a story that's found in both Matthew and Luke. And I'm first going to read from Matthew and show how the difference is between that one and the Luke passage, because growing up, so often what I heard was the, uh, was the Matthew passage, and you understand the difference. And when you look at the Matthew passage, sometimes we can be discouraged, truthfully. So let's read that. It's in Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Uh, it's this little story of, of Peter and a couple of other guys following Jesus. And this is what it says. Okay, this is what it says. It says that Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And then it says something very obvious. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. I mean, that's what fishermen do, right? You know, like, duh. You know, why'd they even put that in there? But anyway, they did. And then it, and it says this. I mean, that's all it says. He was walking beside a lake. Jesus was. He sees two guys, Peter and Andrew, and he says this, verse 19. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Verse 20, and at once, at once, without any other preamble, anything else, they left their nets and followed him. And you're going, really? I mean, if somebody came up to you you hadn't met before, somebody comes up, this is what it looks like in the story, you hadn't met before, and says, hey, follow me, drop all your stuff, leave your business, leave everything behind, and follow me. Do you think you would do that? And then it gets worse. The next part, verse 21. Verse 21. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. And they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, other fishermen. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I don't know about you, when I read that, just without all the context of all the Christian stuff I already know, I look at that as not being spiritual. I look at that as being irresponsible. Hey, Dad, we're leaving the business. You're on your own. Figure it out yourself. You know, that's kind of what it sounds like, right? And growing up, sometimes I would hear sermons about following Jesus, and maybe you've heard those too, about, you know, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. You ever heard that one before? I've heard that one. I might even have preached that one time. <laughs> but you've got to understand something. That's not all the story. Thank goodness that Luke came along. And Luke tells the exact same story, but he gives some more detail. He fleshes it out. He helps us to understand something that today is hugely important for all of us. Not only as we connect with people, serve people, help people to uh, know who Jesus is, but understanding that it's a step-by-step process. People don't generally just all of a sudden go, yeah, I'll drop everything and go to Jesus. It's a thing of step-by-step-by-step. And all of us probably, if we think back in our own life, We had steps that we took as well. So let's look at the Luke passage today. Luke chapter 5. Same story. Luke gives a lot more detail though. Thank goodness. And because it says something totally different. It says this and Luke Luke gives us the details. And and let me me explain something. Matthew, when he was writing his gospel, he was writing to to the Jews. And the Jews kind of had a history of, uh, they kind of had a church history. They had kind of a history of, of faith already. And so he wasn't writing to people that didn't have any understanding of anything. But Luke, he's writing to Gentiles. He's writing to people like us who didn't grow up necessarily in the church, who didn't, didn't understand all the history of the Bible, didn't understand all those things. He's, he's doing that. So he gives us a lot more detail, which helps us a whole lot. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and that's just another name for the Sea of Galilee, same place, same location, just another name for the same thing. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Okay, so... There's more going on than Matthew recorded. He's walking by the seashore. He's standing by, the, by this lake. But people were around him. They were crying around him, listening to the word of God. The thing that's important for us to understand from this is that following Jesus is always built upon instructions. It's always been built upon information. Real Christianity is, is built upon truth and faith. It's not built simply upon blind faith. If somebody tells you, you know, just, just drop everything and follow me and, and blindly don't tell you anything else, run. Because they're not to be trusted. Jesus never did that with people. Jesus always built people's faith on truth. So it says that people were crowding, were crowding around Jesus and says crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And as they were crowding around him, the picture is as he's near the, sea, the, the seashore. This is a sea. This is not really a, a lake or a, or a farm pond, okay? This is not like that kind of deal. This is the thing. I've never been there, but uh, I understand it's a big sea. It's on certain days, you can only see across it. It's like huge. It's just huge sea. And as he was doing it, the people were crowding around him so much that they were almost pushing him into the, into the, into the sea. And in verse 2 it says, he saw at the water's edge, Jesus saw at the water's edge, two boats left, by the, left there by the fishermen who were wash, washing their nets. And that, okay guys, I don't know about how many of you fish, but I don't fish with nets. How many of you fish with nets? Probably not. You probably fish with a fishing pole. 
Are you fished with, you know, stuff like that? I mean, in that day, they were, they were talking about commercial fishermen. That's what we're thinking about here, not local fishermen. He was commercial fishermen, had these giant nets, and at the end of their fishing time, what they would do is they would take and they would clean up their nets and get all the beer cans out of it and all the stuff, you know. And, and they, would, they would literally, what they would do is clean them up and let them hang them up to dry so they wouldn't rot. And they were doing that now. That's what he sees them doing. They were washing their nets. And then it says in this, verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to who? Simon, whose next second name is Peter. Remember the guy that in Matthew, all we said is that, you know, Jesus came up to him, saw him, follow me, yeah, I'll follow you. No, there's more going on here than that. Understand? And he, he, says, to, he says to Simon, and he, uh, he, he, he saw one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Now, at this point, this is the first decision that Peter has to make because Peter was, you know, finishing up work, been out fishing, doing all the hard stuff, and then Jesus asked him to do something. And this wasn't really a big deal, but this wasn't inconvenience. And so Peter said, sure. And so he pushes out. We don't know if Peter, you know, uh, hung on to a rope, pushed him out from shore, got out there, held the boat in place. We don't know exactly what happened here, but we know that he was using Peter's boat. Peter was there, he and, he and his uh, brother, and they were, they, were, they were cleaning their nets. And they were not only working, but sure, I'm sure they were listening as well. It says, then he sat down in the boat, and he taught the people from the boat. That's what he did. Simon, Peter, James, and John have been listening. See, the first step in faith is information. It's understanding something. It doesn't mean you have to understand everything. I cannot tell you how many times over the years at Great Oaks that I've had people come into my office and they're, they're here exploring faith. And I've had some brilliant people come into my office that kind of blew me away you know, like, with PhDs and everything in, in the world. And, and they come in and they have all these questions. And they have all these questions. And I can't answer all their questions. And I don't even try to answer all their questions. But the deal is I try to give them enough information that I can, point them to enough of Scripture that I can to help them to understand the things they need to know before they come to faith, because it's a process of information. So Peter and, and, and uh, Simon, Peter, James, and John, they've been listening. Uh, they've been doing that. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now, at this point, Jesus could have asked Simon Peter anything, right? He could ask him anything. But he didn't ask him to do anything. He asked him to do something he already knew how to do, but to do it, as we find out in a minute, in a different way. See, most of the time, the first step that Jesus is going to ask us is not going to be this huge leap of faith. It's going to be something small that we've done before. But he asks us to do it in a different way. Because in verse 5, this is, what, this is Peter's response. He says, Simon says, answered, Master. That's the title. He doesn't call him Lord. He calls him Master. I said, I recognize you as a rabbi, as a leader in the community. You're a smart guy. You teach good. You know, he's not saying anything other than that about it. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night long, and we haven't caught anything. See, he's saying, he's saying, he's probably thinking in his head, you know, I mean, this, this guy's a rabbi. He doesn't know anything about fishing. See, in that day, they fished in the Sea of Galilee. They fished at night because it was a hot climate and, and, and the water as it cooled down the fish at night would rise to the surface and in doing so what would happen is is they would scoop them up with their nets better and that's when you fished 
You didn't fish. This was the middle of the day. You didn't fish in the middle of the day. You didn't do that kind of thing. You know, fishing when they were, he, he, so they'd been fishing when they were supposed to, and they'd caught nothing. But Jesus tell, asked him to do that. And, 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 and Peter's probably thinking, you know, there's also other crazy fishermen. There are other fishermen in the crowd. And if they think, I, if I do this, they'll think I'm nuts. You know, I don't want to look nuts in front of my peers. Uncool. But that's part of the deal here. You know, what was at stake for Peter? By Peter doing this, the simple thing that he'd done before, but doing it in a different way, he was, Jesus was asking him to trust him with something very small. And that was his first step. And then Peter says this. This is just so amazing. Peter says, I'll do it, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. I worked hard all night. I haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'm going to trust you just enough to do this one thing. I will let down my nets. Not because I think it will work. Matter of fact, I know it's not going to work, Peter's probably thinking in his head. Because people never catch fish during the day. I've done it for years, never caught any fish during the day, so that's why I fish at night. But I just have enough respect for you, enough trust in you at this point, that I'm going to go ahead and follow your plan. Now, that seems like a very small step, right? It seems like a very small step. But imagine us knowing the history of Peter. What hung in the balance? I wonder if Jesus had a slideshow. He pulled out a picture of the St. Peter's Basilica. He's going, Peter, look at this place. One day, there's going to be the, most, the greatest cathedral in the whole world. It's going to have your name on it. It's awesome. Look at all these pews. What's a pew? I don't know what a, I'll tell you. You'll figure it out later. You know, the deal is it's going to have all this stuff here. You know, it's amazing what's going to happen. Peter, you're going to write some books in the Bible. What's the Bible? Uh, it's, it's really important. Now, you know, it, it, Jesus didn't tell him any of those things. He simply said, hey, Peter, push out from shore. Let's go fishing. Trust me. Be worth it. If Peter had not have taken that first little step of faith, none of the other things would have happened. Now think about your own life. Think about your own life. The, steps, the small steps you have to take and what if you had not have made certain decisions in your life, how your life would have been different. Better or worse. So, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And then he says in verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. See, doing made the difference. It says when they had what? Not when they had believed and thought about it in their head. Not when they simply, it says when they had done so. Peter could have thought, well, this is a great idea, Jesus, about, but I'm not going to do it. But not until he did the step, he actually took the step of faith that Jesus asked him to, is when he began to see Jesus at work in his life and began to trust him even more and more and more. And then something amazing happens because he changes his whole tune. After he sees Jesus and what he's doing and what, what he's doing, in verse 9, 8, he says this, When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, what? 
Lord. A while ago, he called him master. Good guy. Smart guy, but not Lord. Now, because he took a small step of faith, he began to see him in a totally different light. And that light was no longer, am I somebody who's simply, that you're my, I'm, you're my master. You're now my Lord. And the Lord is somebody who is, you follow, you follow along. And then he saw something else. Peter, it's something else that comes out of this. Not only does he say, go get away from me, Lord. He says, the reason to do this, I am a sinful man. You know what that means? Peter began to see himself in a different light. See, when we follow Jesus and we take the small steps of faith, whatever they may be, and we begin this process, what happens is that small step leads us to see Jesus in a different way, to trust him in a different way. But it also begins that we begin to see ourselves in a different way. Because when we hold ourselves up to, against Jesus, guess who, what we look like? Not very good. Just like Jesus said, you know, everybody who came to Jesus in the first century and everybody who comes now is a sinner. See, at that moment, it was no longer about fishing. Peter recognizes who Jesus really is and who he is. And he takes this first step toward Jesus by doing something. And then it causes him to grow. Then verse 9. For he and all of his companions, this tells us why. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon... Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, doesn't that make a little more sense than what Matthew said? Now, let me ask you, though. It says, Jesus says, from now on, you'll be fishers of men. Follow me. And then they followed him. It said they did so. They followed him because they listened, and then they took a single step of obedience, which was to follow him. But do you think at this point they had any understanding of what it meant to be a fisher of men? I don't think I'm like, I don't know. I know how to catch fish, but I don't know how to catch men. But whatever it may be, Jesus, I'm in. But it didn't start there. See, if we read Matthew alone, we get this idea that all of a sudden, the only way to follow Christ is all or nothing. That's not the way faith works. It's a series of small steps, one by one by one. Do you get that? That's huge for us to understand. Because, see, we're, we are not simply trying, as we are on our mission in life, we're not simply trying to get people to convert and say all or nothing. Because if they do, they'll probably say nothing. <laughs> because they don't have enough information. They don't have enough, it, the step is too big, it's too big of a leap. Very rarely does that happen in people's lives. The issue is this. People, all we're trying to do is help people to begin to get, take small steps toward God. That's what we have our, that's what we say, what we do at Great Oaks. Our purpose is to help people take their next step, however big it is, little or big, towards God. And in this story, we see, we see several steps of following Jesus and we see it for Peter here, but it relates to us as well. Let me just point out four of those real quick to kind of give us an understanding. Number one, uh, the first step that Peter we saw was sit and listen. Peter was in the boat. He was fishing. He was sitting there. He was, Jesus asked him to use his boat. He sits and listens. For many of us, for many of you, that may be where you are. You're in the sit and listen stage. And in the sit and listen stage, what you're doing is you're trying to, you, you made a commitment, maybe somebody invited you to come to Great Oaks today, and maybe your next step would be to sit and listen a little bit more. 
to commit to come back next week or to get involved in studying the, the, the Bible or, or, or doing whatever. It's, that might be where you are. That's your next step is to commit to continue the process of sitting and listening. That's where Peter was. The next stage is I would call him loaning the boat stage. Loaning the boat stage. Uh, Jesus asked Peter to trust him in something. He says, can I borrow your boat? It inconvenienced me. It might inconvenience you a little bit, but you know, hey, it's not a big deal. I'm not asking you to give up anything other than just kind of do it inconvenience. For some of you, you're in that stage. Maybe you've been sitting and listening for a while, but you need to, need to take the next step, step. And the next step is maybe getting and signing up for our class called First Step. And that is where we introduce you to what it means to be a follower of Christ and what it means to be a, be a part of this church and, and how, to, how you get involved, that kind of thing. It may be simply uh, just making a commitment to be a part of a small group. Let me explain something to you folks. One of the reasons many people don't join small, don't join small groups is why? It is inconvenient. It's another thing on the calendar. So it can't do that. But see, if you're going to follow Christ, you maybe need to sit down with some people who are studying God's Word together so you can ask them questions because you can't do it in a big room in here. A place where you can explore God together and take that next step, whatever it may be. So you need to be in the loaning the boat stage, which means it's a little inconvenient in regard to doing something. The, the next step is I call taking fishing step, stage. That's where Peter was. After he loaned him the boat, Jesus said, take, let's go fishing. See, the Heavenly Father wants you to do something, maybe, that you have done a thousand times, but he wants you to do it for you in a different way. And it will probably involve one of three things. It will probably involve doing something you've done before in a different way in regard to your relationships, your profession, or your money. One of those three things. He wants you maybe to try a different approach at home. Maybe look at something in your career and how you're doing stuff there. Or with how you use and how you, you know, delve out your resources, your money. And how will you know this? How will you know that God wants you to take that next step? Because you've been listening and sitting for a while. You've been involved in this, you know, kind of inconvenient stage of beginning to explore God a little more deeply. But for a while, you've been doing that. And all of a sudden, you've become convicted of something. And you think in your mind, I really need to do this. I need to begin this. I need to start this. Or I need to stop this. And it's probably God's urging you to take a next step to trust me in this area because you said, that's what Scripture says, and I'm not doing it, but I need to be doing that. And so that's, that's this take him fishing stage. And then the kind of next stage is the leave your net stage. Leave your net stage. And that's where you listen and obey God. And you know, you've listened and obeyed God in this area. In this area, you've been giving God little bits and pieces of your life. But you're at the place where you're going like, God, I want to give you everything. I want to commit my, my whole life, my relationships, my career, my money, everything to you. But that was the process of Steps. And it's not a checklist, by the way, okay? It's not a checklist. Yeah, I've arrived. The issue is, is you will never arrive. Let me explain to you. The only time that you finish with next steps is when they shovel dirt over you. Okay? I've got a next step. You have a next step. And we have to continually ask God, what is the next step? Because you do not know if you don't take the next step, what may hang in the balance for you and for how God can work in your life.
Because I can look back in my own life and remember how God said many, 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 many times, trust me, trust me, trust me in this, trust me in that. And thinking about now, looking back, how my life would be different if I had not taken that little, it's most of the time little tiny steps of trust and faith. So, we've talked about connecting with people. We've talked about serving people. We've talked about sharing with people. And today we talked about growing. There's one other thing I want to finish up with before we go. And, I, and I was, it was going to be a whole other sermon, but I don't have time for it. So, this is the other thing. And the other thing last week I shared with you when looking at the passage out of 1 Peter last week, chapter 3. Uh, I said, you know, there's this passage. And the same guy, Peter, who took that first step of letting Jesus borrow his boat. Like I said, later on he wrote, Two, two letters that are, we find, First and Second Peter in Scripture. And the thing is, is that one of the passages later on, he says this in First Peter chapter 3, he says this, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. We talked about that last week. But then he also says this, he says, But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, what I'm, uh, the other thing, the other point of this is not only we're to help people take small next steps, it's not just to, just to get them to step across the line, but find out where their step is and help them take that small next step, but we are to grow. Because if we are not growing, something will happen. Because what Peter is saying here in this passage is, he says, people are looking at us. As we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ, not only do we need to connect with people and serve people and help people by, by sharing a little bit about our faith and helping them to grow, but they will look at us and what will validate or invalidate our witness to other people is what? Our lives. Because selfless, generous, compassionate living is such a huge part of our witness. It's not just how we talk, but it's also how we walk that causes people to take us seriously. And I'm going to close with this. There's a story. I love history. I don't know about you guys. I love history. Some of you, like, history is just to me is like fascinating. I read all kind of, I read all kind of stuff. I took electives in college in history. You're weird, Bill. But no, I mean, one of the greatest stories in history that talks about this, how the importance of a witness is, and how it led some people that opened the door for some people. It's a story in history of a guy many, 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 many years ago, 100 years after Jesus. His name was Pliny the Younger. Pliny the Younger. The reason he was called Pliny the Younger is because his, his uncle was Pliny the Elder, and he raised him up, and so he's the younger of the Plinys. Okay, Pliny the Younger. And Pliny the Younger was a historical figure around 120 A.D., he was a governor of a region in Turkey, uh, one of the Roman provinces at that time. And that was during a time when a guy named Trajan was the emperor of Rome. And Trajan was one of those many emperors who decided, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm really a god. He really didn't think that. But he had this idea of emperor, emperor worship where you worship him. It's a way of pledging your allegiance to him. And so what happened was in that day, the Christians that were, that were around in the Roman Empire were persecuted because they would not pledge their allegiance to the governor. And so the Roman, a Roman emperor Trajan sent out letters or documents, I don't know exactly how he did it, to all the Roman governors, the provincial governors, and said, hey, you need to persecute these, these Christians, you need to investigate them, you need to make sure, because they're troublemakers, they have all this problem, and he began to do that. So Pliny gets the letter, and 
He begins, like all the other original leaders, and he goes around and he begins to arrest Christians. He begins to investigate them. And, and, he, and he says, and basically how we know this is because we find in history, you can look this up, Google search it if you want to, Pliny the Younger and Trajan. And the thing is, is, is they have to have a series of letters between Trajan and really the responses of Pliny back to Trajans were the most revealing things. Because when Pliny, Pliny's in a dilemma in a real sense. Because he actually begins, unlike probably some of the provincial governors, begins to actually investigate Christians, not just do it blindly. And, uh, and, he, and he's going, you know, the dilemma is this. He says, after investigating them and looking at them and, and arresting some and doing all this, um, he said, here's the dilemma. He says, here's his first, a little bit of a letter that he sent back to uh, Trajan. He says, the sum and substance of their fault, talking about Christians, or error, had been that they were accustomed to meet on a fixed day before dawn. And so he said one of the things is they were, they were irresponsible, they were wor- not working, they were doing... But he says, no, what they do is they, they are, they're accustomed to meeting on a fixed day before dawn, and what they do is they sing responsibly a hymn to Christ as to a God. So they sing this hymn to... to they meet before dawn. Uh, Sabbath was also a day of work for them, and so they didn't meet during work hours. They met before dawn, and they got up, and, and so they did that. And so um, Pliny had sent some spies in and discovered this was what they were doing. Um, I kind of thought about that. I'm going like, you know, we have this real attitude about certain things in churches. And one of the people is attitude about music, you know. You know, some people love contemporary music. Some people don't like contemporary music. Some people think that hymns, you know, whatever the deal. We have this real hang up about it. I mean, they didn't have hymnals. They didn't have any music. They didn't have anything. They didn't have any written Bibles. They didn't have any of those things. But these people still met. They were accustomed to meeting. All Christians met in different groups before dawn. And what they did is they would sing responsibly a hymn to Christ as to God. And this is what they also did, Pliny said. And also, and they bind themselves by oath not to some crime that they've been accused of, but, but, but this is what they commit themselves to doing. To not commit fraud, theft, or adultery, nor falsify their trust, nor to refuse to return a trust when called upon to do so. Interpreting that, they're not criminals, O Trajan. Their oath is to the good. O great Trajan, these folks may be the best citizens that we have. They're committed to telling the truth, to not commit adultery. They're committed to th- that if someone expects them to do something, they will do it. Why are we persecuting these folks? That was Pliny's dilemma. He said, we've investigated and tortured them in other letters, and they are not criminals. That was the, that was the reputation, the real reputation, when people began to look deeply at Christians in 120 A.D., Now, my thought is this. Let me leave this thought with you. Can you imagine what would happen in our communities in Germantown, Washington, Eureka, East Peoria, wherever you live. I don't know where all of you live, you know, just naming communities. Can you imagine what would happen in all our communities if tomorrow morning before dawn, every Christian gathered somewhere, they sang a couple songs, made an oath, no fraud, no theft, no adultery, and we're going to do what we're saying we're going to do. They close in prayer and then live that way. It would be really hard to criticize Christians. Matter of fact, it'd be impossible. That's what Peter's saying. That's what Peter's saying. 
Peter said, that is the way you will do it. As you're connected with people far from God, as you serve these same people, as you're, prepared, as, as you're always prepared to, to share with them the hope that is within you, the thing that will seal the deal and that will convince them is the way you live. So let's do so. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning that we can come to you and we can, we can look at your word. And your word is incredibly clear here, God. This is not one of those gray areas. There's some areas in Scripture sometimes I'm just so confused at because it just seems to be, I just wish it was all black and white. But man, there's enough of Scripture that's black and white that will allow us to understand what we need to understand. That's all we need. The rest of it we'll figure out down the road or we'll ask the questions when we get to heaven. But God, this morning we realize that one of the things you've called us to do as believers is to be aware that as we connect with people, serve people, share people our hope, and as we grow ourselves, and as we help people to take those next steps themselves, that God, this whole thing is a, is, is a package. It's not just individual parts we can pick and choose. So help us, God, this week to make a commitment to look at what our next step is, God, and, and, and then begin to examine how to actually act upon that next step with you. For some, it's simply to say, yeah, God, I'm going to continue to, to listen. I'm going to continue to, 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 to try to think about a little bit more, sit and listen about what's going on. For some of it, it's, we're in the loan, the boat stage where we need to make a little more inconvenient, maybe get a part of a small group, uh, sign up for first step, do something that'll help us to, to grow a little bit. Some of us, where it's a step of where we, where we invite Jesus, we follow up on the invitation that he gives us to take him fishing. He wants us to do something in our lives that we may be done before, but he wants us to do it in a different way in regards to our relationships, or our finances, or our careers, or maybe other things as well. And God, for many of us, we've been doing that for a long time, but we, we've been kind of been picking and choosing. But God, you want us to commit, and for us, many of us, it's, some of us are in the leave your net stage. Where we simply say to you, God, God, you know, I've obeyed you in this area, in this area, but I want to surrender my whole life to you. I'm going to give my life to you, everything. And in doing so, God, I want to live for you because I've learned to trust you in these small areas, and now I want to trust you with everything. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your incredible love for us, that you're patient with us, God, that you're willing to work in the processes of life that we're, where we are. And help us, God, each one of us, to continually examine where we need to go so that we can help others to take their next steps as well. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great week. Thank you.